Welcome to the GenesisChurch.tv podcast with Scott Hunter. I'm your host, lead pastor of Genesis, Scott Hunter. Today, we're broadcasting a replay of Sunday's message from our current series called My Ikea Life. We're dealing specifically with battling anxiety using God's helpline, the Word of God. We'll be looking at the life of Elijah and his struggles, as well as giving you some insight into my personal journey this past year dealing with this subject. I pray this brings you hope and healing. Thanks for tuning in. Today's message could be called My Ikea Life. I have had enough. Like, I don't know if any of you have ever had enough by putting some together, like, whether it's baby furniture or whatever, and it's like these little irritating drawings, and you know they're not accurate, right? They print something, but obviously it looks like in the picture on the front of the box, it's been flipped or something, and they don't tell you, and it can literally drive you mad. Like, so, you know, it doesn't have to be an Ikea brand, but there's, there's not enough words for the assembly, but they give you this vague picture of what something should look like, and it spells disaster or at least aggravation for the majority of us. Now, I'm not sure if that's only, you know, happened to me, not you, of course, but one time, me and my dad decided to put together this outdoor, like, play gym area fort for my kids. And we're like five hours in, and I kept saying, Dad, the picture looks a little bit different than what we're doing. It it doesn't look right. And he's like, son, I read the directions. I've read the directions five times. That's what my dad sounds like when he gets mad. And then I said, Dad, the picture looks different. Five hours later, we get to, like, put the two pieces together all backwards. I wanted to take a sledgehammer to the thing. I just threw the hammer and I said, you fix it. And I was just left. All right. So I know that's funny to some of you, but it's not funny to a hunter. We are perfectionists. We have short tempers when things go haywire. All right. I personally battle with anxiety in situations that seem to overwhelm me. So it might be stuff like a baby crib that like the dude and this whole thing makes me cringe. Just going to tell you that. And, and, and whether you battle anxiety over something small or, or you just get frustrated at something in life from like the little things to those really large things, like right now we're dealing with like <laughs> gas, right? Inflation, job insecurity, possible World War III, you know, no bigs. The border crisis, college choices for some of our Gen Z friends that are getting ready to graduate, fentanyl explosion, parenting, crime, owning a house cat. I don't know what bothers you, but whatever it is, Dude, this message is for you. This whole series is for you. So what I want to do is I want to take what we call like our key scripture. It's going to come from Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to take just a small portion of text, and then I'm going to use other portions of scripture to to support the big truth. The one idea is what we call it here when we plan these things out. Now, what I want to do is give you a little bit of the context today, and then we're going to read the scripture. That is our key text, and we're going to read it every single time that we go through this series over the next three weeks And we're going to allow that just to kind of sit and settle in our spirit, right? So it's like uh, anger management, right? We're going to push out Ikea assembly, and we're going to breathe in the peace of the spirit, right? Push out Ikea, breathe in Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. Seriously, though, like what I want to do is I want to allow God to calm your anxiety as we cast our cares on him. And and whatever that is for you, I don't know, whatever's burdening you, I want you to lay it at his feet, and I want you to turn around and walk the opposite direction and not looking back at that thing, not saying, well, well, God, you're not big enough for me to, for you to handle that. I I, got to pick that back up again for you, Jesus. Let me just take care. I I got, no. Drop it at the cross. Leave it there. 
in the book of Philippians. Paul wanted more than anything just to go and preach the gospel in Rome. Like it was the epicenter of the world. He knew if he could get to Rome, preach, boom, it would just like disseminate throughout the entire earth. But he found himself in Rome, but as a prisoner, shackled up to another hairy dude every 24 hours, right? And basically he's on house arrest and I know I've talked about this, but I'm not going to preach on this. I just want you to take from this his outlook. And I want you to grasp that and hold on to that today. See, Paul is in a situation where he should be more anxious than anybody sitting in this room. Anybody that I know right now, he should be like, this guy is, could be wrecked, right? Not knowing the potential outcome, he's chained up to a new guard, and he doesn't even know how long this is going to happen or be there or, or, or when he's going to get to talk to anybody about being released. Honestly, he doesn't even know if he's going to be released. He's basically on death row, and he doesn't know if he's going to live and survive this moment. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he penned these words, Philippians 4, 4-7, through 7, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That's for all of us that are like, yeah, I don't want to. And he's like, no, no, no. Even in the good, even in the bad, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all near. The Lord is near. Let, let you just, can you just let that sweep over your, your minds right now? The Lord is near. Will you say that out loud with me? The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, Paul says, by prayer and petition, what's on your heart, what's bothering you, give it to the Lord. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. There's thanksgiving in it. God, I know I'm going to pre-thank you that you're going to come through because I believe in you, because I believe your word, and I believe that you are not a liar. And he says, and when you lay that down and when you decide to praise Here's what happens. The peace of God transcends your understanding, means it blows your mind. What your finite mind, what my finite mind cannot even comprehend, God says, I'm going to give you that kind of peace. And it's going to guard your heart. It's going to guard your mind. It's going to guard your soul in Christ Jesus. Can you just pause and pray with me for a minute? Father, we, we just ask God that your presence just were, would be evident to all sitting in this room, Lord from those who are, are going through life that's a blown-up mess right now, for those that are completely skeptical, for those that are in this room and they, they hate being here because their wife dragged them here and they hate me, God, I pray, Lord, that you just overwhelm them with your love and your goodness. Let them sense, Lord, that, Father, you are, you're near, you're close as the very next breath, Lord, and allow the peace that passes our human understanding to guard our, guard our mind and, and, and what we're thinking right now. Let us hone in on you and, and pay attention, Lord, to your word, and that, Lord, you, you would overwhelm us. Holy Spirit, just do a work today, we pray. It's in Christ's name, and all of us said, amen. All right. If you don't know the people around you, go ahead and high-five them and say, the Lord is near. Come on, do it. If you're scared of germs, get air high-five. Be like, the Lord is near, but like, the Lord is near. It'll be all right. Say it, don't spray it. Listen, today is our 19-year anniversary at Genesis Church, y'all. That's a big deal. Like, it just straight up is. Church plants last less than a year. We've gone 19 strong, and uh, there's, there's way more ahead of us. And one of the many things that I love about our church family is that 
y'all allow me to be a real person. So is it okay today if I'm just real with you? So most of the time, I, I'm a pastor who's just so holy. Like, when I walk into the room and it's dark, I light it up. I don't need an iPhone, nothing. It's just like the, the radiance of God just beams. Psych. All right, just kidding. I'm a regular person, and, and when I tell you that doing this series freaks me out a little bit, I'm telling you it freaks me out a little bit. Here's why. Every single time I preach on the subject, which has been several times, over the past pandemic, over the last two plus years, I've ended up battling anxiety and like panic attacks come out of nowhere at me. And Saturday, I was, I was like panicking as I was finalizing my message on prepping you to, to teach you not to panic, right? So then the Spirit of God says to me, Scott, you do your best preaching when it comes out of your personal experience. And I was like, says, as you dive into my word, I will show up and I will show off and I will work through your life. So straight up, it's been a hard year for me. Personally, getting our, our church back on track post-COVID, semi-still in COVID, raising two teenage girls, like I had no idea how hard that could be. Can I just straight up tell you right now? I don't understand chicks and hormones ever. The only dog I have that is a boy in my house doesn't even have the boy parts anymore. I'm flying solo, people. And I was a youth pastor. I was like, oh, I don't know why all these parents are like, raising teenagers is so hard. I'm like, no, it's not. And then you have your own, and they're like, nice and sweet. And then they're like, right? And you're like, holy water, holy water, holy water. What the heck? So I didn't understand. But I look at this, this series, and it's not born out of my strength. This is all born out of a real deep anxiety and just going through a battle over and over and over this year. So today, I'm going to be a little bit human, not super Scott, who holds the church on his shoulders, a nonprofit on his shoulders, my family on my shoulders, and, and your family's on my shoulders. It's, no. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the, the struggle that I've been through in this season. And so what I'm going to do is going to take your eyes off, hopefully, just like I've had to learn of all these stupid Ikea pieces that are all over the ground, all the messes, and then fix your eyes on God's manual for life and lock your eyes on the author of life and to teach you to just keep fighting. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. And, and, and I ask myself, is that seriously even possible? Like with the world that we live in, with all that's going on, be anxious for nothing, like there's wars, mass shootings, murders in our city from here to Chicago to New York, and I'm like, violence everywhere, ah, like the videos are crazy, and I'm like, turn off the news, because it will make you nuts. And, and, I, and I'm reading these books on Generation Z, and listening to a bunch of podcasts, and I've taught on it before, but the reason being is because it's the generation that's about to step up and lead, because they're the ones that are in high school, they're the ones in college, and starting like as young adults, and and there's so many promising things about your generation. We just had our graduation at 929 here. And, and I look at that and I'm like, wow, man, these, these guys have such awesome potential. But one of the biggest challenges that I hear from everything I read, everything that I see, <laughs> and everything that I listen to is that you are the most stressed out generation in recent history. You worry about everything, like, should I go to college? Should I go take out student loans? And if I graduate college, am I going to have a good enough job to pay back the student loans? And am I going to get married? And if I do, is it 
uh, going to be marrying to a psycho because I've dated lots of psychos. And what if I'm the psycho, right? And if I have kids, am I going to be that parent? Well, my toddler's driving me crazy, and I'm, all my parents are aging. And what do I do about that? And there's just so much uncertainty in the world, and you just get so wound up. And oh, Lord, how am I supposed to teach you how to be anxious for nothing when you're anxious about everything? So what I want to do in this particular message is I want to show you Gen Z and everybody that's sitting in this room. There's this story. And it's in the Old Testament, and it's about a prophet. And I believe if I share this with you, you might relate to some of the things that he went through and that it might change your perspective on how we should navigate through life just a little bit differently. See, this prophet really, really loved God. And even though he had seen God's faithfulness, like I'm talking like faithfulness, like show up kind of out of nowhere, good gravy. Like the provision of God on this man was so awesome, and the power of God that he experienced is mind-blowing, yet he still struggled with anxiety. <laughs> and his name is Elijah. He's one of my favorite Old Testament pro uh, prophets, probably because I relate to him and the story I'm going to share with you today. Let me give you the context of Elijah if you have no idea who he is. Let me give his life to you in a nutshell. So Elijah, he went and confronted this evil king named King Ahab, uh, and, and Elijah called him out on the sin. And people don't like that. I don't know about you, but I don't like people to be like, you suck at this, 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 and this. And he, and he went straight to the king and told him. And then he said, because of your sin, because you're breaking the heart of God, here's what happens. You're going to have a drought for like this massive amount of time. And it's going to significantly change your entire kingdom. And so the king got ticked and he went after Elijah with all of his forces, with every bit of his army. And he says, I'm going to destroy you. In other words, I'm going to kill you. So for three years, Elijah is on the run. God's man, God's prophet, God's anointed, running and hiding out in caves. Yet God was faithful. Check out what God did in those three years of on the run. God did miraculous things like feed him with bread, like it just would show up. And then the Lord would literally bring ravens to feed him and bring him meat from heaven. And the Lord would be like, oh, today I would like some filet mignon. And like, boom uber raven eats would show up and the lord would be like don't forget the tip right but miracles dude it happened all around him elijah even raised the dead there was this one time it's so cool elijah stood down 850 false prophets 850 that's cocky in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and i kind of love that Scott, story time. There was this one time when I was a kid, I stood down one neighborhood bully. He was talking smack about me, making me miserable on the bus for about a month. And I had just had it after a week of whatever it was going through. And I don't know what it was, but I stood up in the middle of the bus ride home and I went back to him and I said, you're going to shut your mouth. And then I took his head and I just sort of bashed it against the window. Kids, don't do this. Do the opposite of what your pastor did. But I'm telling you what, he didn't talk no more trash, did he? But that was one bully who was bigger than me, stronger than me, and definitely meaner than me, right? But can you imagine 850 people who were trying to intimidate you, calling like demons to attack you, curses on you, and you stand up against 850 of them? Holy cow. What goes down? As he calls down fire from heaven, it makes all of them crispy critters in an instant. Kids probably don't do that either. But listen, then after the power of God falls, you see these miracles after miracles after miracles, and, and God's done all this crazy stuff, right? 
And then one lady gets up on his grill, and he falls completely apart. If you don't know the story, Ahab was bad, but oh, his wife made Ahab look like Mother Teresa. The woman, his wife, was named Jezebel. Y'all heard of her? You at least called somebody Jezebel when they were a jerk, right? She got into the picture and says, listen, if you can't get the job done, then get out of the way and let a woman do it right. I'm going to kill Elijah. And Elijah falls apart. You see him go to this like crazy, like downward spiral. And, and, and he has this moment of anxiety and depression that you might be able to relate to. So what I want to do is show you the story. And when we look at the story, I want you to notice four different mistakes that Elijah made when, when he got to the point of where he was like, I've had too much. It's like, I can't put together one more Ikea crib. Lord, I'm done, right? So you might see yourself in that one, two, three, four mistakes. I don't know. As I did in my season of significant struggle. Let me show you the text on 1 Kings 19. We're going to start in verse 3. It's going to come up on the screen, but I'm going to read from the NIV. So see if you can find the mistakes that he made. See, Scripture said that Elijah was afraid. He was freaking out. He was experiencing deep and very real anxiety. So he ran for his life. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life when he came to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. Came through a broom brush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. See, notice how irrational his thinking is, right? So he's worried. His biggest fear is that someone's going to kill him, but now he just wants to die. So it's the same thing that some of you have, might have said when you're like, I can't take it anymore. He says, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm no better than the people before me, Lord, that weren't leading the way I thought I was leading, weren't loving you the way that I was loving you, weren't serving you the way that I was serving you. See, some of you right now are like, I can't take it anymore. You're in the season. You're like, I've done everything I can, but I can't pay the bills. One more thing. One more car breaking down. I'm broke. I can't take it anymore. Some of you are in a relationship. It's a relationship for you, and you're trying, and you're trying, and you're trying, and then they deceive you one more time, and you're like, I just can't, I can't take it anymore. Some of you, it's your schedule. You work, and you work, and you're trying to do everything. Maybe you are a single parent, and you're busting your hump, and you're trying to juggle everything you can. You're working your tail off, and you say, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And maybe it's something simple, right? Maybe you just feel disrespected. Maybe it's you cooked 9,000 dinners, but on that 9,001 dinner, when they walk away, you snap and you say, I'm going to kill you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and he's going to be pleased about it because he's taking you out because of your sin, right? You're going to call down fire from your oven. And you said, I just, I can't take this anymore. Like, I just can't take it. You know, whatever it is for you, I don't know, but for me, my personal life, my body was blown up over this last year. I botched knee surgery, blew out my ACL, and then I had surgery, and then I began to run 102, 103, 104, 105 fever. And the doctors kept trying to tell me, listen, it has nothing to do with your knee. The nurse told me, you're just sweating a lot. You're not breaking off fevers. You're sweating because you're on pain medicine. I just, I almost throat punched her. ER visits, my knee was like popping out of socket. It was, oh, it was awful. Ended up in the hospital for an entire week, had four more surgeries, cleaning all this junk out, removing all the stuff that they put in there, all the screws, all the bolts, all the kind of crazy stuff. Having to do IV treatments for almost two months to kill a super bug that was infecting my knee. A couple weeks later, then I get totaled in a car wreck by a lady who's high on shrooms 
who drove off and left me after she hit me from the front, spun me around, smashed me into an oak tree, hit me from behind, and just kept going until her car stopped, left the scene of the crime, and so now I'm having my second back procedure Tuesday on my spine, and then my sixth knee surgery, yay, yay, the following Wednesday, the exact same day one year ago that it started, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of my children's physical and mental health crisis of their own, in the middle of my wife taking a new job working for the Senate, which is insane, in the middle of my kids having to switch to online school because of her own health, in the middle of rebuilding a church post-COVID, it's just a messy life. So it's been a rough May to May, y'all. And I was to the point where I'm like, God, if you don't, if you don't do something, I can't take this anymore. I promise you, I'm going to barbecue the neighbor's cat. Something is going to give if you don't intervene. I can't, I can't take anymore. And, and I looked at this, and I look back, and I'm like, I've made, I've made mistakes. So Elijah said he couldn't take it. Elijah made mistakes. He made four big ones. So I'm going to go through those with you today, and, and let's pull something from his story. See, when we've had enough, we run ourselves into the ground. And that's, that's what he did. He said, I'm afraid, and he ran for his life. He literally ran to Beersheba. If you don't know anything about the geography of this moment, that is 100 miles away. Hello, Forrest Gump. He was running. He was running until he was so physically worn down that he just stopped. He wore himself out. That's what I did. We started Stage 11 Theater here for the school year, and AKA Scott cleaned and cleaned and cleaned some more and helped build sets and created artwork and moved the stage, put the stage back, moved those dumb drums, put the drums back. I hate those drums in the name of Jesus. And then I helped plan and execute Friday Night Shines on one leg started renovating my house because I'm an idiot, right? Preached over 120 messages on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and co-led the men's group because that's what I needed to do, but it's awesome and I do love it. Uh, started a, a 40s G group, just keep swimming, just keep swimming is what plays in my brain all the time. And I ran myself into the ground. And, and it's some of you where you're at right now, you, you make yourself so busy so that you don't have to pay attention to the, the madness, and it's becoming a source of anxiety, and you don't even recognize it because you've been going so hard, so fast for so long that Elijah did the same thing, and he ran himself into the ground, and you're doing the same. When we've had enough, we shut people out. Do you, I paused in the story so you would notice it. I hope you notice it. The only person that's been through this entire mess with him, his servant, he left. Only trusted friend. He said, I don't need you anymore. And he went off on his own. That's where I was kind of at for an entire year until we were at Providence Canyon out in Georgia and I just kind of like broke down and just said, hey, this is what's going on in my life. But it took a year for me to open up to my G group. But that's why you need to be in a small group here. Because it is the heartbeat of who we are. Without the body of Christ, we are incomplete. The third mistake he made, and we often make, is when we've had enough, we focus on the negative everything is bad, right? One thing is bad, no, forget it. Everything's horrible. And, and here's what he says. He said, I've had enough. I'm no better than my fathers. I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm no, I'm no better than the people who didn't love you, trust you, serve you. He says, and this is the very thing that we often do. We focus on what is in front of us, and we think everything is a mess. Like, life is so hard. I'm never going to get it all done. There's just too much, or I can't stand these people that I work with, or I don't like where I'm going, or I'm always going to suffer, or there's always going to be a struggle, or we're always going to be broke, or I'm never going to be happy, and we just get negative, and, and, and it's what we dwell in, and I kind of sunk into that a little bit. Like, I got all these sermons to do and all these things to teach, but nobody knows that I'm, I'm, I'm a physical wreck, sometimes an emotional wreck, and, and like, keep it all together, Hunter. 
Don't let your church fall apart, Hunter. Perhaps number four is the biggest mistake of all. We've all had enough. We tend to forget God. We forget God, which is so, so crazy, especially for your pastor. Because God is prevalent every step of the way of your entire life. But if you're walking around with blinders on, you're never going to see it. Look at Elijah. Every moment of all the time, God was faithful. God was showing up like fire from heaven. God was allowing him to raise the dead. His power was visible. His provision was real. And even though that God had been faithful, Elijah did what all of us do sometimes. We face our problems and we forget to look up that the God that can speak the world into existence is bigger than the problem. For over 19 years, I've preached and preached and preached and loved and served and bent over backwards to love you, our community, our city, our world. And I look back and I'm, I think all the time that God has been present. Yet when I was facing fears, I started forgetting about God, that God is still in control. And the crazy thing is that Elijah's name should be enough for him and for me to comfort in the middle of anxiety. His name means Elijah, E-L. L stands for Elohim, which means God. His name literally means God. And Yah, J-A-H, is short for Yahweh, which means my God is Yahweh, which means my God is my breath. Meaning, my Lord is my strength. And without him, I can do nothing. I can't even breathe. My God is my strength. My God is my sustainer. My God is my breath. He is not only fighting for me, he lives in me. And he is so near, as near as the very next breath that I take. So even when the world falls apart, my Lord doesn't run from me. He's right there. Yahweh. And when Elijah forgot even what his name meant, what did God do to him? He said, well, ye of little faith, and struck him dead. No, 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 no. Opposite of that. Read your Bibles. Listen, God met Elijah at the point of his need. He showed up and he says, listen, I'm going to reveal myself to you. Check this out. First Kings 19, 11 through 13, the Lord said, Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there's this earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire came a gentle wind. When he heard it, he pulled his cloak over himself and he went out to the mouth of the cage and he heard the voice of the Lord say to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? See, God was not in the remarkable. God was in the ordinary. God was in the whisper. When you're hurting, when you're afraid, when you're doubting your life, when you're overwhelmed and anxiety is piling up, why doesn't God speak in the loud clash or the cataclysmic move of mountains? Why does God speak in a whisper? Because he is that.
and he wants to be as close as you, he wants to be as close to you as he possibly can so that you might be able to hear him in the silence, push out all the noise and in the whisper, be as close to you as your very next breath. He wants to draw you close so that he might speak to you. See, Satan, on the other hand, is the one that yells at you, one that condemns you, one that's pointing fingers at you, one that's saying that you're never going to be enough, you're always going to be a screw-up, you're never going to make it through, you're never going to get there on your own. But God whispers, I'm near. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm always going to be with you. Even to the end of the age, I'm always good in all things. And nothing, nothing will separate you from my love. Neither height nor depth nor, nor darkness. Nothing is going to be able to separate you from my love, which is in Christ Jesus. And he says to us when we are down and staring at all the rubble on the ground, he says, don't forget I am Yahweh. What are you doing here, Scott? What are you doing here, Michael? What are you doing here, Becca? What are you doing here, Steve? What are you doing here, Ryan? What are you doing here, Jessica? What are you doing here? And he says to you today, my presence for you is enough. My grace is sufficient for you to make it through each day, even if it's hard, even if life is handing it to you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Don't forget who I am. Don't forget whose you are. You are mine, says the Lord. He is your breath. He is always with you. He never leaves. And for 19 years of leading a church, he's never left me. 43 years of walking on this earth, I can say to you, he is enough. See, here's what's funny about Elijah. If you don't know the end of the story, it's pretty, pretty funny because his greatest fear was dying, right? And he's walking alongside his protege, Elisha, and God sends a chariot of fire out of heaven and swoops him up and takes him away. Elijah never even died. He never tasted the physical death. The thing that he feared the most never even happened. I can say to you, hey, get ready. You're freaking out for, on purpose. Get ready, get ready, get ready. But I'm here to tell you, actually, the vast majority of what you worry about is never going to happen to you. And therefore, we are anxious for nothing. What, Paul? Seriously? Yeah. Anxious for nothing. And sometimes, man, it does happen. You can have a year like I've had, <laughs> or worse. I have a buddy, a brother of mine in this church, who's battling cancer right now for the sixth time. It's worse than, than what we thought could happen. Like, but I look at this, I look at his life, I look at my life, I look at your lives, and I still think somehow, some way, God is carrying us through. And I can't understand it. It is that peace that passes my understanding. But somehow, some way, God is Yahweh. He's awful, he's faithful doesn't forget you. He doesn't leave you because he is our breath. He is our strength. He is our source. That's why the Apostle Paul, chained up to a Roman guard, can say to you and me, be anxious about nothing. Instead, he says, rejoice. 
praise the Lord in the good times and the bad times. I wish I could tell you all the crazy stories how Satan just trying to take us out as a church and how God has shown up and taken a mountain and moved it from here to there. You're sitting in a miracle. This church was done through a Facebook swap. Again, I say rejoice so that your gentleness, your kindness towards other, the light in you shines out and it's evident to all why. Because you've been in the presence of God, because God is near you. And so everywhere you go, you change the atmosphere. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's Yahweh. He's your breath. He's near. Why does he whisper? Because he's right there. And he says to you, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray your guts out. Petition. Lay your request down at God's feet. And then what happens? The peace of God says to you, it's not yours to carry. I got it. And it's going to transcend your understanding. And it's going to guard your heart and your mind and your soul in Christ Jesus. Because that's who he is. He is Yahweh. Let's pray. This has been another podcast of GenesisChurch.tv with Scott Hunter, lead pastor of Genesis Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Tune in each Sunday at 929 or 1101 on YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook, or live.genesischurch.tv. Or visit us in person at 4070 Mission Road here in Tallahassee. Catch us for weekly messages and midweek interviews and encouragement here on the GenesisChurch.tv podcast. We'll be posting soon.